0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone, to today's
3: edition of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. So glad to be with you on this Monday. And I pray that the show is going to be a blessing to you. And as we gather um, and listen, and as we go to the Word of God, Uh, I invite you to call in that number that was just given to you. Uh, The call-in number is 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines early in the show because sometimes as we uh, progress through the show, it gets backed up. And I always feel bad when we get to the end of the show and and we can't get to all the callers um, because they've been on hold. So as soon as phone calls come in, uh, we are going to go to the phone line. So grab that phone. Give me a call, 303 690 3000. Ask your questions to give your prayer requests and love to be able to just talk to you about the things of the Lord. Uh, Love to talk to you about, um, you know, those things that you're wondering about, questions about Christian living or the Bible or our response uh, as we see all the things going on around us. I think it's very, very important for us more than ever that we have a good biblical. Uh, worldview on the things around us that can cause so much confusion and despair and uh, discouragement, to know that we can go to a book, the Word of God, the Bible, which gives us absolute truth. It doesn't just contain truth. And that's where sometimes you hear um, that there are those behind the pulpit that say, well, the Bible contains truth. It's much more than that. The Bible is truth, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. It is inspired by God, and we know that as we do go to the Word of God that we are obtaining truth. So I want to welcome all of you. we got a couple open lines. The text line is 720-336-0897 for you to be able to text in a question or a prayer request. And I do want to remind you we are here to pray for you, whether you call in a prayer request or text one in, and love to pray with you as well. We want to minister to you any way that we can, And so give me a call, 303-690-3000. We got a couple open lines. And I want to welcome all of you listening live on Grace FM here in Colorado and Southern Wyoming. And uh, we welcome you. Love to hear from you guys uh, throughout the Front Range and up into Wyoming. And then I want to welcome all those who are listening in on Hope and Truth FM on the East Coast. As you're listening to to, uh, Calvary Live, uh, I do want to remind you that it is a week delayed, but you can call it that number I just gave you, the call-in number three zero three six nine zero three thousand. You can also text uh, a question or a request at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. And uh, as we have our conversation on the air, uh, it will be a week delayed, but then you can listen to it next week. And then I welcome. I uh, want to welcome all the online online listeners whether you're on your um smartphone, tablet or the grace fm website on your computer, we welcome you as people are listening from all four corners of the country. Give me give me a holler, give me a call or text me a question or a prayer request. Love to be able to talk with you. We're going to go to B in Philadelphia. Hi B. Hi. You're on Calvary Live. Hi. Thank you for calling.
4: Thank you. So uh, my question was, um, I asked the, uh, I said, um, my husband is a pastor, you know, he has a ministry, uh, and then uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, you know, I grew up and I grew up in a, in a religious uh, background, mm-hmm. you know, Jewish witnesses, so we don't believe in paying tight. But since I met him, you know, he's been trying to encourage me to let me know paying tithe is part of God's commandment, which I don't have any problem to do so. But uh, you know, so uh he, he's working at the moment and he plans to go, you know, into full time ministry. And uh so along the like about a year ago we planned to, you know, start a business which is a, a daycare center business. Our plan was uh-huh. to go into the business together, but I didn't know that when I get into the business it's gonna require a lot of money. So uh, you know, my father died in Africa. So I, they will me you know, a couple of money. I put all the money into the business. Uh, I right. work a lot of hours. Uh, I do Instacart on the side just to make sure I get the business going. And so far, I've spent a lot of money on the business, and I don't have any problem with that. And by God's grace, uh, I, I'm going to be. I will finally open the business by next month. It's a daycare center. So, but he wants me to be paying my tithe into my local church. And I said I don't have problem with that, but the point is whenever we have misunderstanding he you know he uses abusive words on me, he calls me how he doesn't know how to hold his anger uh, he doesn't he doesn't help me in the house. we have all our kids are very young kids, like four babies. I have to be the one to do a lot of so he's not really making me happy, and I begin to question myself that like, I feel like it's being fake I feel that it's not being real with people and with God like because i'm you don't have to be perfect like jesus christ but i'm i'm expecting some perfection from you as a perfect yeah. husband if you are counseling other couples that are having problems in their marriage why you yeah. are having problem in your marriage and you can't solve it he's, he's not a good listener i tell him all the time i said look i just need help in the house i want hey, you to help me out a little bit even if you can hey do long, hey b
3: hey b I, I want to I want to get a word edge I kind of got a feeling what you're going through and a lot of frustration that's coming out. And but here's the thing as far as um going into full-time ministry, that I always tell guys that uh have a calling to ministry that your ministry begins at home. That's first of all. Um we know that Paul writes about that to Timothy. He writes about um the qualifications and and the characteristic of a leader. And in that, he says that a bishop must be blameless. The husband of one wife um, must be temperate, that is, even keel, not get angry all the time, the hus- um, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, all those things. But one of the things he talks about, your household uh, being in, in submission as well. And the thing is, for every minister, for me included, is that our ministry begins at home. Uh, with their wives and with their children, and sometimes that pastors they they'll miss that part. They they get so involved in ministry, they get um, so um, entrenched in ministry because ministry can consume you. They forget that they can't do their ministry in the church if things are not well at home, if things aren't good in the marriage. So first of all, you come along in his marriage as as a spouse. And I always tell guys that your your wife comes with you. You can't leave her behind. You 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 can't ignore your ministry at home. That has to be a priority. Now, none of us have a perfect home, um, but it has to be in order. It has to be where the marriage is healthy and and where um, the wife is supporting the husband. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to make it very long in ministry. Is what I warn guys. Um, the other thing too is. Um, you know, the anger and stuff, um, the tithing, that's something that, uh, is between you and the Lord, between you and your husband, where you feel like you need to tithe, but it would sure help if you guys in an agreement on that. So it sounds like you're not, you've put in a lot of money into this business and, um, we are instructed to give to the Lord, but that is something that you need to continue to, um, pray about and, you know there is that part that role that you have. You know he has the role of 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 living with his wife in an understanding way. Uh, what's important to you needs to be important to him. To love his wife as Christ loves the church. You know a servant of the Lord must not be quarrel but gentle, at all able to teach and be patient. That includes you know even in the home as he serves you. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Um, so all of these things play a factor in it. And then you being submissive to your husband as unto the Lord plays a role as well. But just listening to you, Bea, I, I think that it would be really important if you guys get some counseling, g- get another pastor um, that is seasoned that you can talk with and work through these issues, issues that we're not going to work through here on a few minutes on the radio um, but very, very important that things have got to be right at home because if they're not right at home, uh, I'm not saying perfect, but they need to be right at home where you guys are on the same page, where you're traveling together, um, where you're in, um, agreement in these things as far as giving to the Lord and, uh, his ministry that you're hundred percent behind it. Uh, I just, you know, we just celebrate 25 years, uh, as a church here in Greeley and one of the things that we did is have a a ch- service yesterday, where I gave thanks to the Lord, but I also gave thanks to my wife Sue because I couldn't do the things that God has called me to do over the last twenty five years if she wasn't there supporting me, and if we weren't traveling together, we cannot leave our wives behind in ministry as men. So, B, I want to pray with you. I would encourage you get some counseling, you know, with a, a seasoned pastor. can walk you through these things that's going to help you um, together as you desire to minister together so father I pray for B I just pray that as they have these issues um, you know with tithing and disagreement but Lord uh, feeling a call to ministry that the ministry begins at home um, with her and Lord I pray that they would come together with clarity and understanding Uh, coming together, where, Lord, that you are um, ministering to them, that it isn't based on anger, it isn't based on any of those things, any kind of disrespect. Um, It is based on love and, and seeking the Lord together and gentleness, and that you would help her husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church and to live with her in an understanding way, for B to respect her husband. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help them um, because you're the one that does that work, that that things would be right at home, and that, Lord, as she's desiring to, to do this, um, the business of, uh, as she's desiring to, um, you know, start this daycare business, that you would just help, and they would work together, they would come together in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Be be praying for you. All right. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. And give me a call. I'd love to pray with you, give some encouragement to you any way that we can. Uh, Words of truth. So that is the um, number. When somebody hangs up, there is an open line. And we had full lines, but uh, line should be open. So give me a call. 720-336-0897. Just real quick, and then we're going to go back to the phone lines. It is imperative that... As we minister, and that's you know ministering for the Lord that the ministry begins at home, guys, it begins at home, and things have got to be well with your spouse, and you got to be traveling together and I know sometimes there's challenges in that and difficulty in that. I know there's different situations where you might be married to somebody who's an unbeliever and you're desiring to minister, you know and volunteering and things, but when it comes to full time ministry um and the pastorate and uh, being a leader and an elder, um, the ministry begins at home, and that's so critical and it's so important uh, for that to happen. Let's go to Ben in Colorado. Ben, hi there.
1: Uh, yeah, can you're you hear on me? Calvary Life.
3: Yeah, I can. Thanks for calling.
5: Okay, sure. Yeah, first of all, uh, uh, congratulations, Pastor Jeff, on uh, 25 years. That's that's pretty awesome.
3: Appreciate. Praise it,
5: God. Appreciate.
3: It. Yeah.
5: So I had a. I had a question um, about where in the scripture is it uh, in the Gospels where Jesus uh, is talking to the crowds about you know the 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 his body and blood and and it literally uh, you know being flesh and 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 literally being blood and if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood I just don't have it right here in front of me but
3: yeah he he would. Talk about that in John chapter six after the feeding of of the five thousand. Um, the people were looking to be fed the next day. And he starts talking to them about uh bread that came from heaven. He said, You know, Moses gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And then he makes that declaration, one of the great I am statements, that I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And so he begins to talk to them. He says uh, in verse 43, uh, as they begin to murmur, um, he's talking about coming down from heaven. I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And he says, don't murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws him, and I'll raise him up in the last days. But then he goes on to say that I am the bread of life. Your father's a mamma in the wilderness, This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. And so he goes, uh, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And so he goes on to say in verse 53, you can mark this of John chapter 6 and read it. But most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in, in you. So he begins to talk in that way. And people are going, what do you mean, eating my flesh and drink drinking my blood? He repeats it in verse 54. So they begin to leave. Um, many of the disciples heard this, said, this is our hard saying, who can, who can you know, receive this? They, they began to complain, and, and it offended them. But Jesus said something very, very important in verse 63. And so, Ben, you might want to mark it down. He says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are of life. So, Jesus is not talking about literally eating of his body. He's not talking about literally drinking of his blood. He's not talking about some weird thing like, as they're going, this is strange. We can't understand it. What is this cannibalism or something? He says the spirit gives life. the The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are, are spirit and life. So that's what he was talking about: is fellowship, receiving him, believing in him. That's what he's talking about in John chapter six. He's not talking about eating of you know the, his body physically and of his his blood literally. And then of course in the upper room he would give the communion, as he would say to his disciples, that this is my body broken for you, take and eat the bread. Um, this is my my you know blood shed for forgiveness of sin, drink it, do this in remembrance of me as he instituted communion.
5: Okay so i guess i'm just i i come from a catholic catholic background and my my yeah. brothers very catholic and my mother's very right. catholic and you know it's it's just kind of something that i've wrestled with you know with the whole eucharist versus just doing it symbolically and yeah. so i do you feel that catholics are wrong for taking communion the way they do
3: well the catholics the doctrine of trans whatever instantiation Where they really believe that that is, as the priest, you know, is up there, and he's going through the mass, he believes that that's the literal body of Jesus, and they believe it's the the blood of Jesus. Um, I I don't believe in that. Um, We know that Jesus died on the cross once and for all for his sins. When he was in that upper room and he gave of the bread and of the cup, it wasn't his body. He didn't, you know, start chopping his fingers off and give. Twelve pieces to the guys. Um, He didn't shed his blood into the cup. It was symbolic of his body and of his blood. And he said in John chapter 6 that the flesh profits nothing. And see, that's the thing, Ben, when you go through John's gospel, that he would be talking in the spiritual realm. They were thinking in the physical. He told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is wrestling with that. He's going, what do you mean be born again? Can a man enter his mother's womb into, uh, you know, a second time? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you're the master teacher of Israel. You know, the 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 flesh profits nothing. He says the same thing there in John chapter uh, 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus. And uh, he goes on and he says that, um, you know, it—, it that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. He's talking about being born again by the Spirit of God. Go to the next chapter, John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman at the well. He's talking to her about living water. She's going, where do you get this water? The well's deep, and you don't have a bucket. And Jesus said, if you drink of that water, you're going to thirst again, but I have living water to give. So she didn't understand. She's thinking in the physical he's talking in the spiritual same with what he was talking about in john chapter six you need to eat of me you need to have fellowship with me the communion is something that we are to do to come to the communion table jesus said do this often in remembrance of me To drink of the cup to to take of the bread and it reminds us of what he did on calvary's cross in allowing his body to be broken and his blood shed for forgiveness of sin but i do not buy into you know, because I grew up in the Catholic Church as well, and I, I don't believe in that doctrine that it's the literal blood of Jesus and the literal body of Jesus. He died once and for all for our sins. He rose again. We come to the communion table, take of the bread and take of the cup to in remembrance of what he did for us and, and this new covenant that we belong to. Does that help, Ben?
5: Yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate your explanation. I um I, I guess I just struggle with that verse fifty-five. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. You know, and I know they they support that with that verse. You know what I mean, Catholic? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and you know, and you know, the next verse he, he goes on and says, "Who eats my flesh and drinks my blood it abides in me, and I in him." Well, it's awfully hard to do that when you know you're eating somebody. So the Bible nowhere. You know, the Old Testament, you can go back and do further study, you know, tells, you know, you're not to eat human flesh. You're not to do that. So Jesus is not going to contradict the law. He came to fulfill the law. But as you read on, you know, he, he, I think what's really important is that the flesh profits nothing, is what he says. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are of life. So he's given a spiritual meaning there, not a literal Eat in my flesh and, and uh or else you won't be able to abide in me. He's talking about fellowship with him, closeness with him, believe in me is because I'm the bread that comes from heaven. So take a look at that and I think that it'll help you as you do a good study on John chapter six and those verses from verses sixty to you know, um, the end of the chapter.
5: I love the book of John.
3: <clears throat> it is good, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Hey, good question, my favorite, Ben. Definitely yeah good question hey, though. thank good you so question. much.
5: I had a quick praise report I shared with the uh the operator. I just was um wanting to let everybody know you know I've been walking with the Lord for about twenty five years It's been an up and down thing uh kind of a roller coaster ride really um but I've always struggled with uh smoking marijuana. It was something that I did and then i i got born again and I was released from it you know for a few years and I kind of returned to it and I've been pretty much addicted to it for the last 20 years and tried to justify it and rationalize it with my Christianity and, oh, it's from God, and, you know, it helps me sleep and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I just wanted to, to let all, everyone out there know that, that if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. But I was praying um, pretty hard for the last month or so, or pretty much, you know, for years, really, uh, that God would take away the, the desire and my, you know, take away the desire for it, and I would pray that God, God, take it from me because I don't have the strength to to let it go. Uh, evidently, yeah. you know, and so um, I've been delivered from it. I I don't have the desire anymore for it. I see what it's doing to the culture and how it clouds yeah. the mind and the smoke screen yeah. from being in the spirit and filled with the power of the spirit and guided yeah. and led by the spirit. And there's yeah. no comparison, really. I mean, yeah.
3: Absolutely. You know, so absolutely. I just, I Praise feel, God I've for never that. I've felt
5: so free in my life since back when Good. I was a, a new believer. And yeah. I just hope that's encouraging for everybody out there.
3: Yeah. He's our Deliverer, and He delivers us from those things. And to be sober-minded and to be filled with the Spirit in our minds. So thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Appreciate your call. 303 690 3000 is the call in number 720 336 0897. I believe we got an open line. Hey, let's keep up with the phone calls. Let's go to Lita. Uh, Lita, or is it Lita? Lita, yes. Lita, um, how are you?
6: Fine, how are you?
3: Good, thank you for calling.
6: Well, thank you for taking my call. Um, mm-hmm. Is it acceptable to pray to Jesus? You know, uh, one of our daughters married into a Jehovah's Witness family, and they are very critical of uh, the uh, the grandchildren. Um, you know, they'll pray at meal time and they'll thank Jesus for the food, and they're very critical of that. And they'll say, "Jesus never said." To pray to him, he said to pray to the Father. You know, uh, in, yeah. in Luke and in Matthew, where he says, "Pray our Father, who art in heaven," right. and so forth. Right. I mean, you know, probably don't need to recite that, but yeah. Um, but it, <clears throat> um I think they believe that we are to pray to the Father in Jesus' name, and I'm sure that's fine. But is it all right to pray to Jesus and or the Holy Spirit? I know we're not forbidden. Uh, I have read through the Bible, um, Genesis to Revelation. I'm going through it through my my fifth time, and and we are never forbidden to pray to Jesus. In fact, I think Stephen did talk to Jesus when he was about to die.
3: Yeah, and I think you answered a lot of your question the model that we have in Scripture, you've already mentioned, and and you know Jesus said when you pray. It's interesting when the disciples came to um, to uh, um, Jesus. They said, "Teach us to pray." Um, they didn't say, "Teach us to work miracles." They didn't say, "Teach us to preach a great sermon," but teach us to pray. And Jesus gave that that uh, model: "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come." So the general practice that we see is we pray to our Father in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But there have been times where I've just said, Jesus, I need you right now. And I believe that, that the Lord honors that um, because they are three in one. There is one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know we have the model to pray to our Father, and He is the one that makes intercession for us. So we pray to our Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the only reason that we can pray to our Father, the only reason why we have the spirit of adoption, that we can cry out, Abba, Father, Papa, to go to him. So what a privilege it is to be able to do that. But there's been times in my life, and just in, in my trials and difficulties or sadness, where I just said, Jesus, I just need you right now. And even Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And, um, and I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. But the general model is that we are to pray. Um, and we are to uh, pray, you know, to the Father in the name of Jesus and in the power and direction of the Holy Spirit. But, um, you know, I, I know I've cried out to my Lord a few times saying, Jesus, I need you. <laughs> I and need you. And I know you. that we so.
6: are not forbidden. Nowhere does it say we can't talk to Jesus or and or to the Holy Spirit.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So just, you know, as the Lord leads you, you know, I think you got a good handle on it. And I think that, um, you know, that I'm more, I think about it, it's amazing that we can pray to the Father only because of Jesus. And he's our mediator between, you know, us and the Father. And um, but, you know, there's been times the Holy Spirit makes intercessions for us Jesus makes intercession for us, and it's such a wonderful truth in Scripture. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it.
6: Well, thank you. Bye-bye.
3: God bless you. Hey, you hear the music. We're going to the break. It's the only break, and I believe that we have an open line. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. After the break, we're going to go right back to the phone lines. Text 720-336-0897. We'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: And you just heard those two numbers that you can uh, be a part of the show, the call-in number at uh, 303-690-3000. We have an open line and then text 720 we're going to go to rob here in just a second uh, who's been waiting in baltimore but i do want to make a quick announcement um we are going to be back uh doing our three morning services on sunday eight nine thirty and eleven this sunday so check it out we're in matthew's gospel we're actually going to be talking about jesus cleansing the temple and i think it's going to be a great encouragement to you so come check it out check out our website calvarychapelgreeley.org also Last week, I started our Ezekiel study on Wednesday night. We were looking at Ezekiel 38, got through the first 13 verses. Um, this Wednesday, seven o'clock, calvarychapelgreeley.org or Facebook Live, uh, where we also post that teaching and our service or midweek service, online service, that um, you can listen to the rest of Ezekiel 38 and 39. You don't wanna miss it if you got a chance to listen to it. So just wanted to pass that along check us out org, um and all the latest teachings and stuff and so um just wanted to pass that along but rob has been waiting patiently in baltimore and rob are you there
1: yes sir yes sir i'm here
3: thank you for waiting you're on calvary live
1: <laughs> how you doing pastor i'm all doing right. good how are Welcome. you thank you sir i'm i'm good i'm sorry i cut you off i've been kind of waiting to talk to you i, I want to i'm going to give you a quick rundown on some uh, biblical history, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Is that okay?
3: Okay, but you're gonna have to make it quick, because other people are waiting.
1: It will be quick, sir. All right, we know that Christ is the Lord of Lords. He had to come through the priesthood of Aaron. We also know Christ had to come from the seed of David, that we understand. Here's my question. John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus. He was his cousin, remember Mary went to him, and they left yes. him in the belly now John the Baptist's father was zecharias here's what I want to and it's what I need an answer to if not I'll find it, but I hope you can help so his his father Zecharias, who Gabriel shut his mouth, remember he shut his mouth until yes. till he left the you know until he left the t- temple, and then uh, he went home and his, she was with child. Here's what I want to know. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. He was six months older. He was also the one who declared in the Old Testament crying in the wilderness to usher in the Messiah. My question is this. I noticed during the Levitical priesthood, oh, here's a good point, too. Zechariah served the eighth course of Abiah. This represents the New Beginnings, or New Covenant, if you will. You can even use New Testament. It's ironic that he represented New Beginnings, but his son... John the Baptist is also the one that ushered in Christ, our Messiah, for new beginnings or a new covenant. Now, what I remember from my previous study years ago is that in the Levitical priesthood at the line of Aaron, um, there was 24 courses in the Levitical priesthood. The eighth course is Abiah, New Beginnings. From what I remember about 20 years ago studying, I've been studying for a long time, Pastor. What I remember is that um, the high priest, throughout ancient Israel, the Levitical priesthood, got passed down. I noticed it got passed down several times to to the Son. Like, whoever served that course, for instance, in this case, right. Zechariah, um, was prophesied he, to usher Jesus. But yeah. was he the next in line after his father, Zechariah, to be high, high priest of the eighth course of Abiah? That's my question.
3: Well, I don't know about that, but, you know, he was, we know that John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ. We know that the high priest was Caiaphas that year, right? And it was also Annas the high priest. But here's the thing about the high priest during the time of Jesus. When the Romans came in and took over, they didn't care about genealogy, they didn't care that they were to be descendants of Aaron. We know that the high priest would come in. Um, and that he was there during that time, even after the first temple uh, period, the second temple, that Joshua the high priest came back with with Zerubbabel. And we also know that when Rome took over, what they did was, is they said that we don't care about genealogy, we don't care about if the high priest has any spiritual qualifications at all, even. We only care about one who's going to work with us, and then who's going to you know they they sold the high priest office, and that's why the Serenes in the Dead Sea had left the Jerusalem because they said it's an illegitimate priesthood. So you know at that time Annas was the high priest, in the selling of animals at at Passover in the exchange of money he was making a lot of money, so he was able to pay off the Romans that by the high priesthood. For his sons, and that included Caiaphas, the high priest, who was the official high priest at that time. John's gospel tells us at the time of Jesus, and then also we know that it was Annas who was the powerhouse behind the high priestly office. So the Romans didn't care about who was the high priest. Matter of fact, Josephus, the Jewish historian, writes that they took the Jewish, you know, high priest. Uh, Closed and locked them up, and he had to go and get them in the morning and then bring them back in the evening. That's how they had control over it. So I can't answer your question specifically, but I, I do know that um, you know the priests were going in. As far as the high priest, the office, that it was given to the highest bidder by Rome. It's an interesting study that is done in that, and and so that's the best I can do with that. So, all right? Okay, priest,
1: maybe maybe that was extreme. How about him being the next representative of the priesthood uh, of the eighth course of Abiah? How not the high priest now? How about him being yeah. the next priest that replaces Zachariah? For the eighth course of Abaya, which is what it's a two week course that each of the priests serve. Yeah. So maybe not high priest. Was he in line to be the next priest? I'll I'll reword it. For the eighth course of Abaya in the Levitical priesthood, was John the Baptist in line? I I don't know.
3: That's something, a a genealogy question that that you're asking. He was a, a, a priest because he was in there. Only the priests were allowed to be in the temple, and he was in the temple in his two weeks, you know. Uh, they did the lot where they would come for two weeks. So, But the answer to genealogy question, I don't know for sure. But keep studying. Call me back when you Thank find you. out. Okay, appreciate it. 303 690 is the number to call, the calling number. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs and Calvary Greeley. The text line is seven two zero Let's go to John, who's calling from Greeley. Hi John.
2: Hey Mr. Figgs, how you doing, sir?
3: I'm good. How are you?
2: Doing good. Uh first of all I have to say congratulations on your twenty five years of uh serving uh and, and spreading the word. It's uh it's such a great honor to be Thank doing you. that and um yeah I'm gonna get right into my, my my situation. So I've been to your church a couple of times. I've I've, I've gone uh like I said, a couple of times. I when one time you were actually doing a series on the book of revelations, and uh I tell you what you you stretched me uh you you made me uh every time I would leave your church, I'd feel uh, I was hungry for more uh, yeah. I walked away with uh, meat and potatoes and I get to you know chew on that and meditate on it like the scriptures say uh but um I'm currently Uh, going to a church here in town, and uh, something dawned on me. Um, I've been going to this church now for about almost two years, and um, this individual, uh, to my knowledge, has never preached or did a teaching on the rapture, on the second coming, on uh, the tribulations, and I know where you stand on that. I know where you, you lie on that because you've, you've, you've uh, shared that with your flock and your congregation, and you've talked about it, and you broke down each chapter in the book of Revelations. This church that I go to, I'm, he's never it's never been taught. And then mm-hmm. it was just yeah. brought to my attention yesterday from a good friend of mine that this individual does not believe in the rapture, does not believe in the second coming, so that's why he won't teach on it. Um, right. How do I, as a believer and I, as a follower of Christ, and my dad being a uh, a Calvary Chapel minister in Kansas, how mm. do I, how do I approach that, Mister uh, Mister Figs, because. I'm like you. I, I believe in the Word of God. I believe in the rapture. I believe in the second coming. I believe in all that. Um, right. I believe in the last days. I believe in Matthew chapter 24, in which you've talked about numerous times. Um, matter of fact, uh, I will be at one of your services this Sunday um, because I want to learn more about Matthew and and um, was not aware that you t- you're teaching uh, right now, the book of Matthew, so I, I plan on being at one of your services, but I kind of wanted to get your approach. How how do I address it? What do I do? I know I've prayed about it. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable being a part of a yeah. church that does not believe in the rapture nor the second coming. Right. Um,
3: yeah, you know, a couple of things, John, and you're asking very good questions. And and one of the tr- trends that, unfortunately, we've seen in the church today is that—and and I don't want to—and I appreciate how you address this, because you're doing it uh, very much with sensitivity and, and with humility, and I want to answer in that way, because I, I don't want to— to give the impression that you know all the churches are flaky and you know we have the 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 corner on ministry, but I do believe and it's just an honest uh, observation and what I hear from others is that many churches today do not talk about the rapture of the church they do not talk about the second coming of jesus christ um, i've even had other pastors call you know and talk to that uh, I talked to briefly that say that they're Senior pastor or lead pastor will not talk about those things. Even those who have uh, gotten, um, you know, uh, from the denomination saying, do not teach through the book of Revelation, do not teach on the rapture of the church. And I even had uh, one pastor here in Colorado, I won't say where, that um, said, you know, what do I do with that? And I, I said, teach through the book of Revelation is, you know, teach on the rapture as part of the canon of Scripture. But I I don't understand why that trend is. I do believe there's uh, that Satan, he doesn't want us Christians to know about the rapture. He doesn't want us to know about the second coming. But there are those who say we will not teach through it because they're uncomfortable with it, or they're afraid that they're going to burden the people. We talk about it because, first of all, it's in the canon of Scripture, uh, the Bible, a third of the Bible is about prophecy. And we are going to be going through Matthew 24 to Olivet discourse here in a few weeks um, in Matthew. When we get done with Matthew, we're going to go through the book of Daniel. And most Christians have not done a study through the book of Daniel, which is not only personal, but, you know, we learned personal lessons from Daniel, but prophetic. And it's the forerunner to the book of Revelation. So I believe that, especially if we're going to be discerning of the days in which we are in, we need to be teaching on the Second Coming, on the Rapture of the Church. But what really concerns me is a lot of pastors that do not believe in the Rapture of the Church. They do not believe in the Millennium Reign. They're all Millennials. They do not believe in a Second Coming or the prophecies that were to take them literally for different reasons um it also very much concerns me that there's a growth in what is called new apostolic reformation um it's just there's nothing new about it that the church is going to grow and grow and grow we're going to have great influence in the civil and governmental you know aspects of of you know the nations in our nation and um we're going to overtake those things we're going to show great power great apostles and prophets are going to rise up and we're essentially going to take over the world and usher in the second coming. The Bible speaks nothing of that. Um, It sounds great. It sounds wonderful, but it's a false doctrine that is being adopted by more and more churches, um, that the church is going to take over the world and is going to storm the government, you know, aspects. What I read is that when the Antichrist comes on the scene who is going to be supported by ten kings, the ten toes and ten horns, that he's going to make war against the saints, and he's going to persecute the, the Christians very heavily. The very opposite is told that it's going to be more perilous times. It's going to be, in the latter days, those given over to doctrines of demons. Paul warns about that. We see it all throughout the Scripture. There's going to be a false church on the scene, all those things. So that's the first thing. I think it's imperative that we be talking about the days in which we're in, so that we're discerning of the days and the things that we see around us. The Bible's speaking about those things, and we know that there's going to be a glorious unfolding of the kingdom of God. But the church is going to be raptured too before this this tribulation that comes upon the whole earth. Second of all, as far as addressing your pastor continue to do it in humility. I would go to him, you heard secondhand, but you need to go to, you know, the horse's mouth. You need to go to your pastor and say, you know, this is important to me. Do you believe in the rapture? And do you believe in the second coming? And then you got decisions to make whether you can stay in a church that doesn't believe in a rapture, or if that's the case, or doesn't believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's going to affect the way that he teaches the scriptures you know um throughout the scriptures so i think that um you can have that discussion and you can do it honestly you can do it with humility and then make a decision from there but one of the things that you know i appreciate thank you for um you know the encouragement 25 years uh of ministry but one of the things that we're going to continue to do here is go through the Word of God, and I'm going to keep the coming of the Lord before the people, always because we are seeing it—the very things that the Bible talks about. We we're just talking about Ezekiel 36 and 37, a nation that was dead, the dry bones coming alive. That prophecy has been fulfilled in you know, in 1948, a nation that was dead, and and we're seeing the birth pangs, and we're seeing the events that the Bible speaks of unfolding right before our very eyes. And I think that as we do go through it, Paul said, concerning the rapture, concerning that we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation, we're not of the darkness, the day of the Lord. He said, Comfort one another with these words. So um to think that we shouldn't be watching for the return of the Lord, to to say that, you know, you Christians that are looking for the rapture are just sticking your heads in the sand. You know, that's not biblical. Jesus said, Be the wise servant that's looking for the master's return. So it's kind of a long answer <laughs> to your question, but I would just go and talk to them, uh, talk to your pastor and see what his thoughts are. And then you got to perfectly consider where you're going to go from there.
2: You're right. You're, you're, everything you just said, I, I totally agree with. Um, I, you know, I'm going to take your advice um, and and go from there. But, you know, we are, and I I do believe we are in the last last days. And I, 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 I really truly believe that there should be more pastors like you that are standing up and taking on the responsibility to educate the our your flock and the followers. Um, I think what you're doing is pheno- uh, extremely phenomenal, remarkable, and I just I, I appreciate you taking my question and um, looking forward to uh, uh, coming to your church on Sunday and uh, hearing what you have to say and in the Book of Matthew. I'm looking forward to uh, um, hearing what you have to say.
3: God bless you, John. Let me pray with you. Father, I pray with John, I pray for him, that as he goes and talks to his pastor this church he's been at, that he would just go with that humble spirit that I hear from him, and Lord, that he would get the answers that that he's looking for. But Lord, I also pray that you would guide him. And I pray, Lord, that he would be excited about learning about the rapture of the church, the days in which we're in, um, so we can be wise and discerning, and he can be as well. So Lord, just Guide him and direct him in every way, and that he would continue. It blessed me to hear that he hungers for the word of God, that he would continue to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, blessings, John. Thank you. Hope to see you. All right. God bless you. Hey, you've got a couple open lines 303 690 3000 is the number to call. Let me see where I'm at. It is really important that, to me personally, that we be talking about these things. And that's not an unusual question what John is up because a lot of churches will not talk about it and um, and will not address it at all and, and feel like it's not important. And um, and it is. We need to be discerning in the days in which we're living in. The Lord can come back for us. I really believe that we are in the last days and we're seeing things unfold around us um, that speak and scream at us uh, that the Lord is coming back. And he, I believe he's coming back sooner than then we think. At least that's what I pray. That's what I pray. We don't know the day or the hour. Hey, let's go to Nick in Maryland. Nick?
0: Hey, Pastor. Yes, sir.
3: How are you? How are you? Fine,
0: ya? thank you. I'm doing well. Thank you. So— Go ahead. I I have a um, sort of a, a a question just more fun than anything else. It's not—I mean, it, part of it is is theological, but you know, some of it really isn't. Um, I was listening to Hope FM recently, and uh, in in what they were teaching, a, a thought crossed my mind. Um, we know God is omniscient; He's all knowing, from beginning to end, always has, always will be. Um, and so, we know that upon receiving salvation through Christ and His sacrifice. Um, that our names are written in the lamb's um book, so the question becomes, and again, this is the fun part was it <laughs> did God write it at the very beginning of all because he already knows everything or or are we at it as we are as we receive Christ,
3: yeah, and you know that that is the question um you know um you know, the Lamb's Book of Life. Uh, when the disciples came back, you know, the 70, and they said, man, we worked in great power. Jesus said, rejoice in this, that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then also we know that um, there's a warning at the end of Revelation that talks about, don't take away this part of the, you know, of this prophecy, or you'll take away as part out of the Book of Life. So you got this Book of Life, the Lamb's Book of Life. And, what our names written he knows everything he knows the end from the beginning and um and so um there is a book um i'm just glad my name is written in the lamb's book of life and that's the important thing um but people usually have the debates, you know can you be erased out of the lamb's book of life and all of this when it was written you know because he does have foreknowledge right and right. He knows the end from the beginning, so is everyone's name, you know, written, you know, from because he knew us before the foundations of the world. He chose us before the foundations of the world. So when that was, when it was written, I don't know. I have to look at it more, and and um, I don't think I can give you a, a direct answer on that right now. I just rejoice that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, what Jesus said, you know, with the 70, and I just rejoice in that.
0: And, and one, of, one of my favorite, probably my most favorite verse um, in the Bible comes out of 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 12, and part of it reads, um, Now I know in part but then I shall know even also as I am known, as I also am known. So it, it's kind of a sense of, you know, I only know a little bit, but I, I, and it's a personal belief that when I get there, all these you know, questions I'm going to ask God, I, I won't ask God because I won't need to ask God. Yeah. I'll be in his holy presence. And I think yeah. all these things will fade away, will come into a knowledge of knowing. Yeah. Um, once we enter in. And, but, so it was just kind of fun. It's just something I yeah, thought of. Yeah, is a good question. And-, and
3: it's something that I'll probably poke at, you know, because sometimes I get these questions and I think, well, I, I'll look into that because it is a good question. and um, But, you know, what you said, when we get to heaven, uh, one of the things that I used to kind of um, joke about a couple times is, you know, I got this file that all these questions that I I want to ask god and i i feel the same way you do when we get to heaven probably those questions aren't going to matter um and uh you know when we're in our glorified state and uh and we're going to be in the presence of jesus and um things are going to be a lot different and we're going to be perfected at that time and so i i agree with you but these are good questions and i always come back to when it comes to the sovereignty of god when it comes to predestination and all these other things, you know, um, I always go back to I just rejoice what Jesus said that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And um I'm just glad that, you know, the promise given to one of the churches in in the book of Revelation is that as you're an overcome as you overcome, a definition of overcomer, first John five five is those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, your name will not be blotted out of the book of life. And I'm just so grateful that the Lord saved me, and he saved you, and we can rejoice in that together. So thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. All right. We got just a few minutes left in the show, and I believe we got all open lines, so we're going to close. Hey, I do want to... Um, um, Just uh, say that we had a wonderful weekend. We did celebrate 25 years of ministry uh, here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. I'm very, very grateful that God has allowed me to pastor this church for the last 25 years. We started with just a few people in our home. And then we had our first Sunday in the uh, first Sunday of June 1996. And uh, we just had, again, a handful of people. And what God has done over the last 25 years has been just incredible. He's done exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and think. And I'm so grateful for the Lord's faithfulness, and and, uh, we give thanks to him. And I can't help but think about what the psalmist writes that says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people and sing to him psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works. And let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his face evermore, and remember his marvelous works which he has done. And that's what we did. We just gave thanks to the Lord for great things he has done uh, by his grace and by his mercy and his goodness and faithfulness that we've been a church for 25 years. And we also talked about moving forward. And I believe that the Lord, not only for this church, uh, but for you as well, for a Christian and, and and the churches that He wants to use us in these days in which we are in, it is getting more challenging. It is getting more difficult. We come, it feels like we're coming to, um, you know, the other side. This pandemic is still there. People are still struggling with the COVID thing. But you know, we've had our VBS this last week. Had all the kids here. It was incredible. I felt like life came back to the church. And then, you know, celebrating our 25th anniversary and this month of having a, a men's conference with over 200 men that I had the privilege to teach at and then the pastor's conference down on Castle Rock. It's just been incredible and and refreshing and renewing. And the Lord still has a plan and he still wants to use us. And we are here for such a time as this. And I pray that that encourages you to know that God wants to use you. Keep growing in the Lord. Keep growing in the Word of God. And um, and we're going to see what He's going to do in the days ahead. So looking forward to it. Hey, thank. Had a busy day today. Looking forward to tomorrow. I'll be with you at the same time. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live, everyone. Have a great evening. Be safe going home. Be blessed in the Lord. Hopefully, we'll be able to be here same time
0: tomorrow.